Hi, and welcome to Scope It Out, the official podcast of the International Forum of Allergy and Rhinology. I'm your host today, Dr. Amber Luong from the McGovern Medical School, the University of Texas Health Science Center at Houston. Today, I have Drs. Brent Sr. and Aaron Lopez. Brent is a rhinologist at UNC, University of North Carolina, and Aaron is a um, new rhinology faculty at the University of Texas, uh, San Antonio. So welcome, Brent. Uh, Welcome, Aaron. Thanks again for taking some time out from your day today to discuss your recently accepted clinical paper entitled uh, Left on Your Own um, Left-Handedness Among Rhinologists and Otolaryngology Trainees. So Brent, I've known you from some time. Um, You are the current um, executive vice president for the development of American Rhinologic Society, as well as a rhinologist. Anything I need to add to those credentials that may help us understand the paper a little bit better? Well, well, first of all, Amber, thanks so much for uh, having us on today. We do do appreciate it very much. Um, You know, the impetus for this really came from the fact that um, um, I've been involved in training of of uh, residents and and fellows in rhinology for over 20 years. And uh, it is an issue that that intermittently shows up in the operating room. And it it was amazing to us when we started talking about it to realize that really no one is talking about it. And and we really didn't have a a good idea of of what the issues are uh, that we should be aware of and how to address those issues. So that's where, where it all came from. Exactly. So, Aaron, tell me a little bit about you, um, your maybe your training background and where you currently are. Sure. Yes. Thank you so much for having me today. Um, So, as you said, I'm one of the new faculty at UT San Antonio. Um, I just graduated fellowship this past year from UNC Chapel Hill, where I trained under Dr. Brent Sr. um, and the entire group there who are all wonderful. Um, And I also completed my residency training there. So I am really um, uh, one of the new rhinologists sort of around. Excellent. So, of course, you know, Brent, you sort of alluded to it a little bit, but um, can I ask, are either of you left-handed? Amber, I identify as (laughs) right-handed. I am right-handed also, so um, don't have any personal experience with with the struggle. Interesting. So, you know, as you can imagine, um, I I host the podcast with a number of other uh, co-hosts. And in preparation for my upcoming month, I was perusing um, the early view articles for IFAR, um, as I'm sure many of our listeners do on a regular basis. And I came across your clinical letter. And I have to admit that the first thing, you know, I really enjoyed the title, you know, very nice, catchy title. So it caught my eye. But actually, um, this had come up recently for our colleagues or at our institution, and we were sort of stuck as to how to deal with this issue. So, you know, Brent, you sort of alluded to the fact that, you know, as you train more and more fellows, it it may come up or residents, it may come up. Was there any particular impetus that that came up that made you guys think about this issue more recently? Well, we did uh, have some some left-handed residents that we were dealing with uh, uh, relatively recently, and so we did have a discussion among our group um, uh, where uh, you know we thought it, it again it was just sort of yes we noticed that it was an issue and we had never really discussed what the optimal approaches to managing that issue were so 
it was just it happened to be a convergence of things where we had some resonance at that time. We had the group available and we started talking about it at the group and it just sort of snowballed from there. Anything else to add, Aaron? Was there anything personal that you came across or maybe because you were closer to the residents? Yeah, I remember um, having one of my one of my co-residents was left handed. Actually, two of my co-residents were left handed during residency. um, And one of them was still there while I was a fellow. Um, And I remember I remember finding out that they were left handed um, later than I felt like I should have (laughs) Um, Uh several years into residency. And I think that that just um, goes to show kind of how long people just sort of um, you know, we'll, we'll are trying to just learn as best they can and really not draw any attention to themselves that they don't want to. And so they'll, they'll struggle with trying to do things right-handed. Um, but I, I think that, you know, one of the, the medical students who helped us write this paper, uh, Meredith was also left-handed. So I think she also had an interest, um, in it. Yeah, you bring up a good point, Erin, because, you know, I'm sure that I've encountered many left-handed people in my training. And in fact, one of my colleagues, rhinologists, is a left-handed. Um, and they've just, I guess, learned to sort of blend in and um, and sort of deal with it. So, you know, part of your paper was to do this survey. You sent out a survey and basically just kind of get some perceptions out there about um, from trainees about how it is to be left-handed. And one of the the answers that kind of struck me, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about this, was that, you know, granted, given the limitations that there was only seven out of your 95 respondents that were actually left-handed, I found it interesting um, to find out that in your question, have you ever had difficulty learning surgical techniques because of a difference in handedness between yourself and the attending? Four responded yes, but three actually responded no. So almost 50-50. What are your thoughts? Brent, I'll start with you. I mean, are they, it's just that left-handed people have learned to become ambidextrous. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's either it's either that or they're lying, one or the other. <laughs> and I, I do think that that's really true. What what has happened? And and if you read through the uh, uh, some of the supplemental materials and some of the comments from some of the people, um, it's clear that that trying to be ambidextrous is probably the best recommendation or the most common recommendation that's out there. Uh, mm-hmm. forcing left-handed people from the very start of residency, not just, of course, uh, doing endoscopic training, but from the very start, um, being ambidextrous uh, throughout the, their surgical training. And I think that that's, that's probably why those individuals are answering no. It's because they've become a little more facile just using, using their uh, uh, right hand uh, to operate with. Can you highlight whether Aaron or Brent um, some of the comments that you sort of alluded to that 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 highlight this um, this sort of point? Yeah, I think one of the um, one of the comments in the supplemental section for this paper was that somebody said that they were doing practice um, closing during while micro was going on closing a free flap donor site with their other hand just to get a lot more practice in with that non-dominant hand. And, mm-hmm. um, I remember actually doing something similar where I was, I would always initially throw knots with my right hand. And then I made a really deliberate effort to throw alternating right and left-handed so that I wasn't really dependent on having one, 
um, one hand free while I was just tying knots. Um, so even as a, as a right-handed surgeon, um, I was trying to incorporate my left hand as much as I could. And I think that that, that sort of advice for, for them is, is, you know, something that goes both ways. Another piece of advice that was really interesting, actually a few people actually brought up in the supplemental materials was to, was to actually eat, uh, with the opposite hand. And to mm-hmm. use one, someone suggested using chopsticks with the opposite hand, which I thought was outstanding as well. Uh, all of those uh, being fairly good techniques to force your force yourself to to uh, become ambidextrous. I I am totally totally a right-handed surgeon. It's really mm-hmm. funny when and and I'm proud of Erin for what she's saying, and it's fantastic <laughs> that you've that you've been able to do that because I am completely incompetent at throwing knots with my wrong hand, but. Um, uh, uh, I absolutely think that um, I actually eat with the wrong hand also, though, and, and that has made me a little bit better overall um, hmm. operating with two hands. Um, and, but I had been doing that ever since I was a little kid. So I, 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 that I think is a great skill uh, to try, uh, even for a right-handed person, to, to utilize to just uh, uh, get better surgical skills in general. Well, what I found, and I don't know if you guys found this while you were preparing your manuscript or or doing the study, is that there's very strong feelings, even from the left-handed people that I surveyed. And granted, it was just, you know, a couple of handful of people that I happen to know, but they actually feel very strongly that a left-handed person should learn to operate on on the right hand or with their right hand, especially endoscopic sinus surgery. Because I'll, I'll just, uh, one of my, um, the people that I was talking to in preparation for this said that, you know, in reality, even right-handed people are left-handed when it comes to the endoscope because you're using your scope uh, is probably almost as important as the instrument hand. What are your comments to to that? That, you know, that there's these camps that are very strong that say that left-handed people should learn to operate with the right hand because, Honestly, the right-handed people are, are ambidextrous, with, you know, with the scope and so forth. Yeah, I think that that is actually the case. And that's probably the most common response that's out there. And I have to admit, I'm a little biased toward that myself. And, and I think that part of the reason um, that I recommend that for my own residents is because 93% of people out there or something like that are going to be operating right-handed. Mm-hmm. And it just, you know, it's, it's an, it's an ugly world that way, but all the instruments and the room setups and things tend to favor the right-handed right-hand dominant person. And so it's just going to be much, much easier for the individual to accommodate themselves to that world. And I think it's a very doable thing too. Just as you say, we're all kind of ambidextrous a little bit with endoscopic sinus surgery anyway, with the way we handle the scopes as well as the instruments. So I don't think it's a major leap to try to to force ourselves to switch those hands um, uh, uh, for those who are uh, other side dominant. So, Aaron, I mean, you are you you mentioned that you trained with a couple of colleagues who were left handed, right. um, you know, and I was speaking to more senior people similar to Brent and their perspective was very similar to mine and also very, you know, I'm a right handed person, so very right handed bias. Um, did, did you feel like 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 the thought process is different in this more young generation? Yeah, I mean, I think that um I think that it it wasn't 
like necessarily brought brought up again like this is just kind of occurring to us now to talk about um but it I've I've know that we've had attendings who were also left-handed and they actually trained as residents doing sinus surgery operating um, on the other side. So they did use their their left hand like we use our right mm-hmm. hand um, and and kind of did that whole setup. And they were from two different institutions. So I know that there are some programs that do um, have left-handed at, at least kind of pose the option to their left-handed trainees as to which side of the bed they want to operate on. Um, I haven't personally, uh, had a trainee as a fellow, um, and yet as an attending who, who wanted to operate on the other side of the bed. So I don't know, practically speaking, um, like how that would go just cause I haven't gone through it. But, you know, I think that the thing that works at least, uh, in the trainees favor for sinus surgery is that sinus instruments aren't handed. Um, mm-hmm. so it's not like scissors or, or, you know, like uh, certain other instruments that we use for kind of soft tissue dissection where, you know, the, one of my, my friends who was left-handed and my co-resident said that, you know, it was, it was nice that actually the, the endoscopic instruments it's, I could use my left hand or my right hand and it didn't, it didn't matter how the instrument worked. Um, so I think that that's something that is at least in our favor if we want to try to accommodate, um, accommodate those trainees. And I think that the, the trainees that I spoke to were, were interested in trying that. Um, Mm -hmm. so it may be that, that that's something that we try going forward. Well, so let me talk to Brent, um, as one of the you know, old fogies like myself, um, some of the issues that we would mention that although the instruments may be non-handed, the ergonomics of trying to set up a a room where both the right-handed person and the left-handed person could see, as well as the issue when we have, you know, two, two teams like our neurosurgery colleagues, um, and um, and operating with them where they don't want to try to accommodate different situations. Um, and that it does make it more challenging. What are your your thoughts, Brent? Is that should we be more accommodating or we've tried this before and ergonomically, it's just horrible for everybody um, trying to put a, a screen where both of us can see? Yeah. So, so that's the trick, right? I mean, so we can all rotate the bed 180 degrees so we can get on, I guess, both sides of the bed and that's not unreasonable. Um, but you know, getting those monitors in place and especially with two team surgery, it can be really challenging. Um, and, and so my, again, my bias has been to kind of force, uh, my left-handed individuals to start operating right hand, um, and to, and to, uh, not have any change in their ergonomics. Though I have to say, it did come up quite a bit, and again, in those supplementary materials and the pearls uh, from some of the respondents, there were quite a few people that did say to adjust the ergonomics and to adjust the room to accommodate left-handed individuals. Um, and again, you know, you can do that if you're just operating as a solo individual, but certainly in, in team surgery, it's going to be a real challenge. Yeah, I agree. Did you, um, Aaron, I mean, you mentioned that there were a couple institutions that um, you know about and maybe you you reached out to for this paper. Did they have specific accommodations that handle um, this type of thing or do they, how do they treat their residents and fellows differently that maybe we can think about going forward? Um, So I think that they, the, attendings that I'm thinking about, um, 
were given the option of, of learning sinus surgery, um, kind of in the more conventional way as a, as a right-handed surgeon, um, with the instruments or by operating on the other side of the bed. And I, I think one of them, one of them, I didn't talk to you about it enough, but the other one I remember like stood on the other side of the, of the patient in sort of in anesthesia's area, which I was more thinking what Dr. Senior was saying, which was, you know, kind of turning the bed 180 so that everybody had space on either side. Um, so I guess that, that, um, that, that, you know, worked really well for him and he continues to operate that way and, and still lets his residents kind of operate, um, on either whichever side they prefer, depending on their hand handedness. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, it, I think that the first step was kind of giving people the option and, and kind of, and facing the problem, which is, look, this is usually done sort of on a right-handed favored setup. Um, if you want to learn it this way, I'm happy to teach it to you this way. But if you'd like to continue to learn left-handed, we're going to go through probably some growing pains in terms of the setup. And then, and then hopefully a couple of years in, it's just sort of rote and they know how to set up the room that way. And the, the operating room knows what to expect, but I'm sure that it's a bit of a, a cumbersome thing initially. Yeah. So my, my thoughts are, you know, when I was thinking about this going forward, because it, it, it turns out that we, we did have a situation where it became an issue. Um, you know, maybe, you know, our rhinology fellowship, um, organization has become a little bit more organized and 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 um, I wonder maybe one of the issues going forward is should we identify programs who are comfortable accommodating for left-handed surgeons and 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 put that somewhere so that a left-handed person could uh, know about those programs um, and be you know and have that as an as an option what are your thoughts Brent I have to say Probably no. <laughs> and, <laughs> no worries. And, and again, and, and again, it, I feel like a bad guy when I say that. But I, I but I do think again, uh, adjusting to the right hand world is still the better way to go. I think mm -hmm. in the in the big scheme of things, it's still the still going to be easier for the individual. And you know, I, I actually go back to our our responses from our individuals uh, who took the survey, and uh, you know. 71% of left-handed individuals said that they were not able to adjust the room to accommodate themselves, which means that they were forced mm -hmm. to operate, you know, right-handed. And interestingly, uh, six out of the seven said that they didn't change when they were in practice. They continued yeah. to operate in the same way. So they did apparently to themselves, they felt like they had accomplished or a, a skill set. They had achieved a skill set there with the right hand that was, that was uh, good enough for them to, to feel like they could do surgery uh, well without changing the room. So I still think it's a doable thing. And again, it's easier for everyone in the long run if they're able to accommodate. But again, I feel bad saying that because I, I do realize it is a difficulty. I absolutely realize it's a difficulty, but it is a very surmountable difficulty. And I actually think about my own grandfather. My grandfather was, was left-handed. But, you know, he was forced to write right-handed for whatever reason in rural Canada. And they forced all the kids to write, you know, all the left-handed kids to write right-handed. And he learned how to write right-handed. And he did it his whole life, right? And yet mm -hmm. he was a left-handed individual. And yet he was completely comfortable doing uh, writing right-handed. And I think you can do that with sinus surgery uh, as well. 
I think at least for, for learning sinus surgery, I think a lot of the, besides sort of soft tissue dissection within ENT, I think sinus surgery is a really foreign sort of set of skills and, and ergonomics to get used to. So, um, you know, in terms of, I, I think I felt very awkward, even as a right-handed individual learning, right, learning sinus surgery. So, um, I think that the the level of awkwardness and cumbersomeness that kind of comes with learning sinus surgery um, almost puts people on on a at least a similar sort of playing field um, across handedness in terms of sort of trainees learning that skill set. So I think if you're if you're going to learn it right handed, learning it early and sort of deciding that early and then having five years of residency to sort of reinforce that muscle memory um, is kind of in your best favor. Yeah, I, I have to admit that I, I kind of fall in that same um, boat um, just because of our, our own experience and and some of the other issues we talked about, the ergonomics or the, you know, the combo cases that makes it really challenging. Um, and, and, you know, it, it that that point, Brent, that you brought up is really it really hits home with me because I do know several left handed people who learned how to operate right handed endoscopically. And when they were done with training, that's what they stuck with. So um, they've obviously become more uh, comfortable and feel like that's the safest way for them to operate is to stay on the right-handed side. So, so interesting. Well, I do appreciate this conversation. Any other highlights from your article that, uh, that uh, you want to touch on or, or bring up uh, that we didn't talk about? Well, the only other thing I would suggest, Amber, is I encourage people to look at the, the, super, the supplemental materials and look at those pearls. Uh, from some yes. of the respondents, I thought they were there were some really insightful suggestions, really terrific, and it gets kind of buried in the online version in the supplemental materials. But it's they really are kind of helpful, so I would encourage people to take a look at that and um, um, and take home some points from that. Great, will do. Aaron, any last minute thoughts? No, oh, I agree with that completely. I mean, I think, like I said, if if the decision is to sort of train yourself to to be right-handed if you're a left-handed individual then i think taking as many opportunities as you can early to practice with that hand and so practicing closing kind of low stakes practice like closing donor sites and things like that i think was a really great suggestion from that supplemental section well excellent well i i you know it was a like i said i really enjoyed the title and and uh there it, it personally was also something that uh, hit home so i found it fascinating but um um having a chance to talk to you guys about it has been really great and and uh really interesting so thank you again for your time brent aaron i appreciate it uh, best of luck as you uh embark on this uh, new uh, journey for you aaron thank you um, yeah, and look forward to seeing more of uh, from you as you uh, go on and enter the rhinology field. Well, thanks, guys, and I appreciate your time. Have a good uh, rest of the evening. <laughs>